Hello everyone and welcome to Angel Meadows Radio. I am Mama D, your host. My show is called A Conversation with Friends because I believe everyone is a friend we have yet to meet. This show is where you get to know new friends or get reacquainted with old friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. Hey everybody, it's me, Mama D, and it's another Sunday evening. Um, for those of my Canadian friends, happy Thanksgiving. And for those of you American friends, I'm going to stop my face when it's your Thanksgiving too. <laughs> First off, thank you. My guest this evening is Carla D. Bass. She is a retired colonel of the U.S. Air Force. And first, thank you very much for your service. And we are going to get this banner up. So if anybody has any questions, there we go. Um, so first of all, thank you very much. We do have a bit of a, hey, Mike, we do have a bit of a lag, people. So if there's a there's an issue, don't worry about it. You know, my, as my friends say, Canadian internet, Baha. <laughs> so can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? You, you kind of phased out there. I'm going to guess that you asked me to explain how I came to do what I'm doing. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. So when, when I was a lieutenant colonel, I was assigned uh, as a squadron commander for a unit of 480 wonderful people in Hawaii. When I arrived, that unit was the most losing unit in statewide um, quarterly and annual awards, which meant that these super de deserving, really talented young men and women weren't, uh, weren't getting the awards and that hampered their career progression. It hampered uh, promotion uh, uh, pay increases and, and therefore that had impacts like they couldn't afford to send kids to college. The reason that they were consistently losing is not that they didn't deserve to win, a double negative, and I apologize for that, but it was because the bosses couldn't write winning packages. What I learned um, immediately upon arriving is you could have been the best staff sergeant or the most talented second lieutenant, but if your boss couldn't tell your story in, in an award nomination package, you lost. So I took three days vacation, hid myself in a, in a beach cabin, analyzed my own writing, and that's how I developed what now is called the, the word sculpting techniques. I turned that, that into a, about an 18-page handbook, then turned that into a one-hour um, workshop, and I taught my guys to write. And almost overnight, we began sweeping the awards. It wasn't because their performance had improved, it was because their writing had. They could write a compelling story, and that made all the difference. So the lesson that I learned from that one assignment is that powerful writing changes lives. That's my battle cry now. So you could be the most talented engineer or, or whatever your specialty is, but if the competition is better at writing a resume, you lose, and so does the employer because they have inadvertently hired someone less qualified than you. But that's how, that's how I began this journey. 
the workshop was so popular that I ended up teaching it for the next 15 years to thousands wow. of people in the Air Force. Well, that's that's a major bonus because it's like you said, okay, let's first show off the book, okay? It's called Right to Influence. And I got to read it and there is so much information. Okay, first off, it ain't a small book, people. And you know I'm not good, but thank God I had a month to read. But there's so much information in it and you don't just you don't just tell people what to do. You give them examples. There's so much work in here that what I call homework that we have to, you give examples of what a sentence is and then you go along and later on you give the, how to reword the sentence. So, which is really cool, especially now the, the, there are so many people who are out of work and there are so many people who are looking for new jobs that, because the company closed or whatever the case may be, that for me, the, the high point in this was resumes. So we're gonna, my worst part of resumes, there you go, is, okay, aside from, from writing, punctuation. How can that make or break um, a resume? And we're liking. So recognizing the difficulty that that COVID has brought to the world, um, I just I just completed three new free ebooks that are available on my website uh, www.writewritetoinfluence.net. The the first the first free ebook is is called Write to Win exclamation point a resume. The second is called Write to Win a performance review, and the third is Write to Win a grant submission. I figured those three were the most prominent needs that that everybody has now. So those were the ones that I, I sought to first satisfy. And these brand new products, they 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 just they just went up. Um, to get back to the book for just a second, right to influence. I it's it's not a grammar book. It's not boring. I I speak to the just like I'm talking to you, and and I talk in terms of Mary Poppins. Rumpelstiltskin, Goldilocks, hard-boiled eggs, and, and I'll share the hard-boiled egg one in just a second. And there are there are 200 exercises in there so that yes. I demonstrate what the technique is, then I give 10 examples, and then there's lots of exercises with the answers so you can actually uh, develop these skills as you work, work your way through the book. Um, but, but resumes in particular, so, you know, people, people often ask what what, what's the number one recommendation or how do you write a good resume? Mm -hmm. My, the, the answer is obviously what you want to do is to stand out from the crowd. So the, the key that, that people often miss in writing a really good resume is you have to write it from the reader's perspective. You know that the core rule in all communication is know your audience. Okay, you have to know the audience. So before you put pen to paper, you need to research the company uh, for, where you're trying to uh, to acquire a job. So so learn about what the company is, what the products are, who the customers are, uh, the services. Uh, do they have any 
any new products about to come out, understand the company first. So, so it's like playing a match game. So you put all that information in one bushel basket. And then you look at your expertise. What have you done? And you, you identify your core experiences and you, you figure out how, how has your background or skills or training, how does that correlate specifically to what the employer is seeking? And, and then you match it up. That's the, that's the strategy behind writing a good resume. The specifics are the opening two lines of a resume are critical. That's where you explain, you explain to the employer, here's how you benefit by hiring me. It's not what's, what a good boy I am, or this is how talented I am. How can you benefit from hiring me? Here's how I can help you. So the whole focus needs to be on the employer. It's the employer's needs that you're trying to satisfy as opposed to highlighting your skills. So you have to approach it from the employer's perspective. And then the second really, really big thing on resumes and where people really go bad, they go off, is the verbs. Now, let me, I, I've got some, I extracted what I'm going to read to you from one single resume. And I want you to pretend that you are an employer and you're reading this resume and, you know, tell me what you think of it. Okay, ready? Okay. Yeah. Responsible for, solely responsible for, provide coordination, responsible for, coordinates, contributor of, contributor in, provides analysis, develops and maintains, provides support, responsible for, utilizes best practices. Those were all bullets, the, the beginning words from bullets extracted from one single resume. That's a great way not to get yourself hired. Yeah. So instead sort of, of made that, dizzy. you want to use mm -hmm. the hard-hitting, power-packed, momentum words. Yep. Okay. Okay, go ahead, keep going. So um, develop, implement, initiate, um, executed, uh, established a new benchmark. Those are all, they're just powerful, powerful verbs. Um, you know, you think in terms of, of a boxer, those are all good, solid right crosses. And of course, you need to follow up those right crosses with the rest of a powerful sentence that explains what you did and what the impact was. Yeah, Gina in the chat room says it sounds like they were take the words were taken from a script. So it's, so, it's sort exactly. of exactly, like, but they weren't. Yeah. Those were from a real resume. No, but I'm saying the person who wrote the resume is sort of like took somebody else's resume or a script and erased their personal information and just added it to it. So it was like it's not as as hard hitting as it should be. Because like you said, this needs to you need you need to focus on what the company can, what you can do to help the company to show them what that is. And that what you just read, like I said, it made me dizzy. <laughs> Uh, 
a lot of people take the approach of writing one resume and then shotgunning that run one resume out to lots and lots of companies. And I understand that because my approach, while more effective, takes more work. I mean, but mm. to, to specifically explain to a particular employer why I am perfect for your vacancy, that that takes that takes extra work on your part. But, you know, the other the other alternative is just shooting a shotgun blast out in the woods and hoping that one pellet strikes something. So if you're serious about getting a job, then you, you really should take this more uh, tailored and structured approach to it. The other thing that I that I recommend, um, one of my other word sculpting tools besides the verbs is uh, is detail. Put detail in these resumes. Detail um, add depth and dimension and context to what it is that you're trying to convey. Detail give the reader a mental yardstick to understand what it is that you're trying to say. So, for example. Um, you could one bullet could say developed a new marketing strategy period okay it's got developed that's a good word but it it's only half the story the reader then says okay what happened as a result you developed it what happened so the the, the full up bullet would be developed and proposed a new marketing strategy the division chief approved sales increased 30 percent over previous year set a new benchmark for the company, other divisions now emulate. Yeah, wow. So you see the difference. It's almost like a tennis swing. Instead of stopping midway through the tennis swing, you follow through by explaining with the details what you did and what impact it had. That makes a huge difference. Okay, so short and sweet is not always the best way to go. Sometimes you need to expand. Yes, so the resume should not just be a litany of I did this and this and this and this. I did this and here's what happened. I did this and here's who benefited. I did this and here's the difference that I made. It's the so what. Yeah, that's good. I got to make a new resume soon so I could be really using this. Um Okay, punctuation. Oh, I um, punctuation, commas, commas are my, my I love commas, um, but they're my personal pet peeve because so many people don't understand how to use them. And this, this is difficult to explain in this kind of a, in this kind of a venue. Um, I actually developed a, an extra 15-minute insert to my workshops and webinars, a very fun way of let me explain to you the difference between commas and semicolons. But let me try and explain. Let me try and explain the difference here, uh, when you would use a comma and when you would use a semicolon in when you're listing things. So in my workshop, I say, here's the example. She likes to cook, comma, read, comma, hunt, comma, and garden. Okay, so cook, comma, read, comma, hunt, comma, that last, the comma before hunt 
is an Oxford comma. On my gravestone, it will say, Carla loves the Oxford comma. And remind me to come back to that, all right? Yes. Now, here's, here's where you would put a semicolon in that same example. She likes to cook, comma, read, comma. I'm sorry. It would be, she likes to cook, semicolon, read, semicolon, hunt, comma, especially with a bow, semicolon, and cook. And what happened there is we put a comma after hunt, especially with a bow. So anytime that, you, that an item within a series requires its own comma, like hunt, comma, especially with a bow, everything else pops up to a semicolon. Okay. Does that make sense? So, yeah, it does. Uh, I'm going to have to write that down. I'll re-listen to the show and I'll write it down. It'll it'll sort of sink in better. But And that's why it, it's, it's difficult to explain this verbally. Yeah, no, I but, understand. But in essence, the things that need to stay on the same on the same level is mm -hmm. is, is hunt, hunt, ah, hunt, read, garden. Those are all on the same plateau. Right. And if you say, especially with a bow, and you do not put semicolons in it, that puts especially in, with a bow on the same plateau as the other items, and that's not correct. Okay, now I get it again. Yeah, makes sense. Ouch. Makes sense. Because I never knew what to do with a semicolon. I was like, okay, I knew and what a colon was. The reason I love my Oxford comma is that the, the example of Go ahead. Yep, so, so you, again, you, you, you use a semicolon in a series when one item, it only takes one item in a series that requires a comma of its own, then everything else pops to a semicolon. And on the Oxford comma, the example I use is, I love my parents, comma, Barry Manilow and Sting. Okay. All right, so you could read that one of two ways. If it's a series, you've got parents, Barry Manilow and Sting. But but without the Oxford comma, it sounds like my parents are Barry, Barry Manilow, Manilow and, and Sting. Sting. So you put that comma after Barry Manilow and everything is clear. Okay. Now, well, I do love Barry Manilow and Sting. I have been a diehard proponent of both of those for 40 years. Same here, same but, here. But that's the Oxford comma. Anything that clarifies your message, I'm all for it. Yeah. Uh, Gina says in the chat, she says, dangling participant, participle. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, dangling participles. Man, I haven't I haven't thought about those in a very, very long time. They're wrong. Don't do them. <laughs> the other thing, the other thing that you can should avoid is uh, is ending a sentence with a preposition. Uh, who did you do this for? E even in speaking, it hurts my ears. For whom did you do this? So, so yeah. in in your writing, especially resumes, you you want to you want to put out a professional polished product. So, so, you know, fundamental grammar rules are essential. Now, let me, um, I, I've mentioned word sculpting a couple of times. If I can explain what I mean by word sculpting. Yes, please. Um, I'm going to wave my magic wand and 
poof, you and anybody listening to this is now a sculptor and you're sitting in a sun-drenched studio with, with your little beret and your hammer and chisel and in front of you is an eight-foot chunk of marble. All right. Because you are a master sculptor, you can envision the, the figure that's hiding in the marble. So you take mm -hmm. your hammer and chisel and whack, 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 whack. On the floor is the rubble, and what emerges is that gorgeous figure. Word sculpting is the same thing, except instead of having a chunk of marble, what you have is your first draft. And sentence by sentence, you apply, I have 10 word sculpting tools. That's part two of Right to Influence. You apply those 10 word sculpting tools, and sentence by sentence, you chisel out the useless words, the redundancies, the, the bureaucratic blather, and I'll talk about verbs in a second, and, and you hone it. You get rid of all of that excess fluff. And where you started with, let's say, one page of a rough draft with all of that excess verbiage in it, you've now honed it down to half a page of hard-hitting information. Now, a student would say, oh, now I have to write more. I tell them, yes, because you've just earned yourself more space to make your case, whether it's uh, why you deserve a job or, or why you deserve the grant. Whatever your case is, you've just bought yourself more space. And you're also developing powerful writing skills that aren't taught in school anymore. So yeah. let me, let me uh, share some thoughts about the verbs. If you can imagine a hard-boiled egg, okay? And then make that hard-boiled egg six foot tall. Big honking egg. Focus on the yolk. And, and what you've got now, the, the way people write nowadays is they take the verb, which is the yolk, and we suffocate it. We smother it in all that white bureaucratic wordiness that are, is completely unnecessary. And it dulls your message and it gobbles up needed space. So, example. Provide a description is describe. Provide protection is protect. Demonstrate the validity is validate. Reduce the amount of time is expedite. You see how this thing goes? Um, serve as a liaison. Liaise. Uh, puts at a disadvantage. That's disadvantages. Okay. So sentence by sentence, you look at your verbs and you see if you got them just as condensed as possible and that makes for crisper writing it makes sense you don't have as much like you say when people read a book you want whether it's your book whether it's any other book or it's a resume or something you don't want them to sort of like like me fall asleep while you're reading so if you can bring it all down to a shorter sentence and instead of five words it's three or two or three Gina, are you taking notes? <laughs> exactly. And <laughs> now that that was my verbs. That that was uh, the word sculpting tool. Verbs are your friends rely on them. Now here's another one. Word sculpting tool number two is uh, don't use words that hog space. Same idea, but with other words, not just with verbs. So don't use words that hog space. So so for example, at the same time is simultaneously. Um, 
equal in capability with is on par with. Uh, in an expeditious manner, expeditiously. Here's one that just kills me because you hear it all the time. On a daily basis, on a national basis, on a monthly basis. You don't have to say any of that. Daily, monthly, nationally. You don't ever have to say on a blank basis. Get rid of all those, all those words and just cut to the daily, monthly, or whatever the, search, the situation is. Um, on at least one occasion is at least once. So that's the, uh, the word sculpting tool. Don't use words that hog space. Okay. And all of this goes to, to condensing the writing. Um, you know, the overall, the overall principle, whether you're fact or fiction, is limited by two things. You're limited by the reader's time. Tick, tick, I'm busy. What do you want? And you're also limited by space. Sometimes it's, it's a demarcated area on a form. Or it can be uh, uh, the grant can say uh, describe what you want or what you propose in 250 words, or uh, or uh, if you're writing a, an article for a journal, it's a give me a, a tagline, a tag description of the article in 130 spaces. Okay, so yeah. you get down to where every single letter, every single space counts. Yeah. Gina put in the chat room and the person who is reading will get will get who you are quick, concise, and won't forget you. Well, and you know, I too am a reader uh, of fact and fiction. And my time is also very precious. The time I have to read a book is just, I rarely have a chance to do that. So when, when I read a book, um, and I'll, I'll spy genre is is my is my is my preference. So there's one author. Um, one example that comes to mind is uh, there was a, a paragraph that said he sat down at a table, ordered a cup of coffee, and drank it all down. Drank it all down. That just that hurts my ears. It's like nails on a blackboard. Ooh. And I will contrast that kind of writing by highlighting um, Daniel Silva's book, The or anything by Dean Koontz. Both of those authors cram so much significance in so few words that you seriously, you don't want to miss a single sentence because there's not a wasted word anywhere on their pages. Uh, so fact or fiction, the, the audience's time is valuable and you should do everything that you can to, um, to leverage it to your advantage. And that's, that's what I teach people to do. Um, so let, let's go back to resumes for just one more second. There are a couple other things that I wanted to mention. Highlight yeah. your accolades, uh, the, the compliments that you have received from, from supervisors, from clients, customers, other people. Keep, keep a journal of those, of those kudos. Uh, and if, if some of them are super significant, like from a very, very important person, you could actually consider including a quote from that person about what you've done in your resume. People often don't think to do that. that um, an another thought about the resumes is, you know, I referred to that match game where you, you, you correlate 
what the employer needs with what your skills are. So you end up with this, this list of, of the things that you bring to the table. Remembering that resumes also are space constrained. Now what you need to do is triage all that stuff that you've accumulated. You'd figure out what of these 10 things is the most important to put in my resume. And the, the criteria that you can use in making those decisions would be, um, were any of your accomplishments first ever? Uh, did you, did you uh, pilot a new program? Um, uh, did what you, what, what you accomplished, did it have ramifications beyond your immediate office area? Did it, did it, uh, was it recognized by seniors up your chain? Uh, did it have impacts outside of your company? If you drop the pebble in a pond with what you did, how far did those ripples go? Yeah. Uh, so those are those are some of the criteria that you would use to decide what goes into the resume and what's not quite so good enough to to use that valuable space. Yeah. Um, in the chat room, Gina, she's my co-host or I'm her co-host. We co-host a show on Thursday and she reads a book minimum, a book a week mm -hmm. for each show. And like she says, she says, I hate reading a book that has more description of backgrounds, et cetera, rather than a storyline. And I agree, um, but if if the if the background descriptions are well written, and if they if they appeal to all of your senses, then I'll make allowances for that. But that doesn't that doesn't excuse a, a weak plot or character development or all the other criteria. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, talking about writing, um, you just did um, or. Yeah, you just did a, a webinar on for mystery writers to help them how to sculpt their words. It, yeah, this was it was it was for fiction. It was a, a book club out in California, and how that came to be, you know, that you know, God moves in mysterious ways, and one thing leads to the other. But I belong to an organization called the Nonfiction Authors Association. And, and through that, I discovered the opportunity to apply to have an article posted on a fiction blog. C.S. Lakin, L-A-K-I-N, is the woman who, who runs this blog. It's a watering hole for, for readers and authors of fiction. So I wrote an article called Spin That Captivating Tale, and it, it applies many of my award sculpting tools to specific examples of fiction. So I take I take paragraphs like the one about drank the coffee down. I took several examples of what I call fat writing and applied my word sculpting tools to them. So you've got the before and the after, and it demonstrates how you can go from from 95 words of, of fluff to 35 words of oh my god, it's precise, it's concise, I get it. Now let's keep the let's keep the plot going. Um, and it, it's just that workshop is just lots and lots of fun. You know, I live I live daily with business writing and writing articles for Congress and 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 products that go to the White House and very business serious stuff. 
Um, and I love that too. But I also enjoy the creative part of the brain where you take yeah. right to influence and you apply. And then uh, in that workshop, I, I highlight some wonderful how-to examples from those other authors or the opening lines from Diana Gabaldon or, or others. So it's, it's, it exercises my creative part of the brain too. But right to influence has a play in both worlds. It does. Because we, it's getting our ideas across. Like, I have to admit, I'm really not good at writing. I'm much better at speaking. So this is why I do a radio show instead of a newspaper print. But, and I think, I, I do try. There are times like when I have to write up a review on a book or something, if I have to write up something, it, I over, I go back over it like three or four times just to try. So now your book is, is very helpful with things like that. Another another uh, of my word sculpting tools, I call it people put the horse before the cart. Um, you see this in business writing. You see it in emails. You see it all over the place. When I explain what this means, I, I know you'll recognize it. But people are so concerned about setting the context of what they're going to say before they actually get to the point. There could be sentences upon sentences upon sentences of this is why I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. And then you get to the actual sentence. The problem mm. is by time by time you've made the reader go through all of that preamble, you've lost the reader. The fish has sn sniffed the hook and has, has swum away. So one of the other things that I teach is here's how you put the, the primary information up front. You start off with the primary information. That's the horse. And everything else, the background information, the amplifying information, all of that is the cart. Now, you see this a lot in email, too. So when uh, when I published the second edition of, of the book last year, I included a chapter on on email yep. because we're, we're all, we are all inundated with it. And usually the email is so cumbersome to read. You simply have no idea what they're trying to say. And then I, as the writer, get irritated with you as the reader because you're not answering my four questions, but I wrote it in such a poor way. You didn't even know there were four questions. You bailed out in the first paragraph. So that the key on email is you, you help the reader understand your message so if you have an action that's that you're asked i'm asking you to do something in object line say action in big capital letters and then a quick subject and then um then you instead of just paragraph upon paragraph you actually you have headers so action blah 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 uh due date blah 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 background information blah 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 so it's very clear to the reader what you're trying to accomplish. If you have three things that you're going to raise in the email, it's, Dear Jane, I have three issues to address. Number one, as in number one, explain it. This helps the reader immediately understand what it is that you're bringing to them on this email plate. Very true. Gina in the chat room, my co-host, she's busy with me today. Um, we have a, a, a recommendation for, for a guest that was on. Um, and she's using, she says, I use outlining quite a bit. 
I have a list of the dirty dozen, which are the 12 most common errors in professional communication. Failing to outline is, is, is prominent. Yeah. Again, if you, if you think back to time and space, you as a writer, fact or fiction, are taking the reader on a journey. You know the beginning of the story. You know the conclusion you want the reader to reach. So you seriously should outline every single step of your thought process to take the reader on that journey. The outline does a couple of things. First, it helps you apportion the amount of material you have to the amount of time or the amount of space available. Two, it helps you organize your thoughts to make sure you haven't overlooked something. And third, um, when you've finished your draft, whether it's a report or whatever, you, you take the outline and you compare it to your draft and you, you correlate. Did One, did you hit all the points? Two, mm -hmm. is there a text in the draft that was not in the outline? And then you validate it. Is it, is it extraneous information that detracts from your message? Or is it valid and it needs to stay? But I am, I am a solid believer in outlining. I, um, I've had several opportunities for live television interviews. These were four minutes, four minutes. You talk about time flying. I outlined every single word that I was going to say uh, during the course of that very precious four minutes. And then, and then I verbalized, I practiced in my car by myself with the stopwatch until it just was so natural because in that amount of time, um, you have, there, there's no time for hum and haw. You, you, it, it just has to flow. Is that, uh, is that along the same lines I'm as going elevator to, speech? I'm going to pivot. That's exactly where I'm going, exactly where I'm going. Elevator speech and also when you're when you're interviewing for a job. So let me talk interviewing for a job for a second. People don't know that you should strategize, strategize the job interview. You can actually control the conversation instead of being passively responsive to what the questions are. So mm -hmm. here's some tips for the job interview. One is identify three short messages about you that you want to somehow insert in the conversation that ensues between you and the interviewer. Have these, have these in your hip pocket, have them pre-thought out and practice them out loud several times before you go enter the interview so that they just flow, they're instinctive. So three hip pocket messages about you. If you could drop only three dimes, what would they be and practice them? And then the other the other tip is um, know in advance what are your closing words going to be. As you walk out the door from that interview, what thought do you want to have echo in your wake? What's the last thought that you want to have that interviewer uh, remember? And have yeah. that in your hip pocket and practice that also. That's true, because when you leave, you want to leave them constantly thinking about you. So that makes a lot of sense. Your your drop the mic line. Yes. So okay. the, the um, opening line, 
and the closing line of any document at any interview are critical. Oh, one, one yeah. more thought. One more thought on the interview. Go ahead. The interviewer almost always says, okay, so tell me something about yourself. All right. Don't fall into this trap. The interviewer doesn't give squat about you. He, you're on stage. You are in an audition. So when the interviewer says, tell me something about yourself, do not explain about your cocker spaniel or the fact that you love knitting. Every word that comes out of your mouth, even to that seemingly harmless question, needs to highlight your skills or something that, that relates you to the needs that that company has expressed. So, so well, be prepared sense. for that question and make sure that everything, everything you utter uh, uh, substantiates why the company needs to hire you. Hmm. I'm getting my resume ready. <laughs> Get back to my boss when I go back to work. <laughs> okay. Um, avoid gibberish and gobbledygook. Two of my favorite words out of the whole book. Gibberish, garbledygook, bureaucratic blather. That's where that's where you read something once and you have no clue what you just read. So um, one example of of gibberish, uh, there are I think three, maybe four categories of gibberish that I identify in the book. One of them is, and this is another ubiquitous, horrible writing practice now. I call it nouns on top of nouns on top of nouns on top of nouns. Imagine a bunch of football players that are all jumping on the ball. Here is an example of, of gibberish in the nouns upon nouns category. Uh, where did that go? Okay. Uh, computer security risk management policy objectives. That, that, just, that just hurts my ears. Um, so the idea is don't don't put so many nouns on top of each other. Computer security risk management policy objectives. Um, you could say you could say uh, policy objectives relating to computer security risk management. But but break it up. Don't just put um, um, nouns upon nouns because it it's like wading through knee deep mud. It hurts. I had another really great example of that now, and I can't find it. Sorry about that. Um, uh, another example of gibberish is, is using um, uh, job-related jargon inappropriately. So here's an example. One of the, uh, one of the evaluations of the performance reviews from my squadron in Hawaii, it, it said uh, scored, the, the woman scored a plus three, minus three on, uh, on the DLPT. I had no clue what that meant. So I put her in a leadership lesson there is know your people. I said, what's plus three minus three and what's a DLPT? When you translate that into English, it means that she scored almost the top of her class for the reading test and the listening test in the defense language proficiency test, the reading category and listening category for the defense language proficiency test. And she was at the 95th percentile of her peers in speaking Chinese. So if you're speaking to a linguist, the, the point is uh, job-related jargon can be appropriate 
but you have to know the audience. So if you're talking yeah. to a bunch of linguists, they get the the DLPT stuff. If you're if you have this in a in evaluation, and the people who are are evaluating you for promotion are are uh, communications people, logisticians, uh, finance, lawyers, all of the other categories. Nobody's going to know what DLPT is. So recognize that you're using the professional jargon and make sure that it's appropriate to what you're writing. Another example is Congress, our Congress just marked down a, a program by several million dollars because the thing was, it was explained in, in, in technical terms that the staffers didn't understand. Same thing happens with medical research and, uh, and engineering research. If you have a program and it's a brilliant idea and you're trying to get funding for it, but if you can't explain it, if you can't explain the impact in terms that the dudes that control the money can understand, then your idea stays on the blackboard. That so that, that's the, the jargon and the, the bureaucratic lather gibberish stuff. Well, it makes a lot of sense. Um, emails. We're going to jump over there because this is this is one of my little things when I do get send out emails. Is the signature a tagline? Is that something that's important? Or you just say, thank you, have a nice day type of thing? Uh, two, two thoughts to that. First, a lot of people will, will skip the signature block, which, which is another irritant for me because if I have to, if I have to contact that person, you know, I don't want to have to go looking through old emails or, or, you know, just, uh, especially if you have to call somebody. So, so mm -hmm. if you're writing an email and you, ha and you're doing it from uh, the, the venue of a professional, you know, situation, do the courtesy of putting your your um, signature block at the bottom of the email, and and uh, a tap offline. Thank you. I use Cheers, C H E E R S. You know that that's always my Cheers, and then okay. Carla. Okay, because mine is much oh, love. And another like thought: an email. Uh, thank you. And that works. That works because that's you. Um, yeah. You know, I. <laughs> Much love and butterfly kisses wouldn't work when I'm sending something to Congress. You know, <laughs> it all depends on who you're sending it to. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> to know, know your audience. You got to know the audience. Very true. Very true. Anybody who receives an email from oh, me on, knows where that was going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a quick question that came from the chat room um, from Gina. Um, do you, if somebody's doing uh, a letter, like we're we're doing a letter for for uh, a past guest, do, can people come to you and say we'd like you to review this letter and give us your your input on it? As in me personally? Yes. Um, uh, like yeah, in your, the in your I'm, website, the is I'm that... hesitating on that. The answer. Mm -hmm. The, the answer is oh um, the answer is yes but I, I can't do it for free for everybody so no, I'm, I'm, yeah and I apologize for that but there's only so much time in the day and I've got a full-time job too but on yeah. the website I I could I do private coaching by the hour I've got all sorts of uh, of options that I can I can do 
webinars for groups. Uh, before COVID hit, I was doing a workshop. I, I, I did a, a two-day workshop for a corporate client. So I, you know, my, my services are pretty much across the board. Um, I can do private coaching for as long as you want. I, I have programs where you can hire me by the hour. Um, I, I'd love to help. Uh, that's that, kind of that, what that's I That's why I'm hesitating. I love to <laughs> well, help no, but people, that's but what I, I meant on your website. Do you yeah. have, do you, can people message and go, Hey, I'd like to, you know, pay you to review this, uh, letter or this, whatever. So this is, this is what I meant. I didn't just mean in general, everybody. Yes. The answer is yes. The answer is yeah. yes. Shoot me an email, or I've got I've got the the PayPal button if you want to do the the by the hour or or whatever the answer the answer is yes. Um, cool. I just finished up a this was a a big project. It was a technical one. I I, I tech edited and helped rewrite um, a wonderful document that talked about how important it is to fund. Now hang with me here to fund um, protecting our communication systems that are associated with the electric grid okay so if okay. the electric grid the stuff that powers everything goes down mm -hmm. you have to have a communication system that's been protected so that it can help reconstitute the electric grid. all right it was a big deal very complicated document 90 pages long i loved the heck out of it and that was a so so i do i do projects like that too Okay, cool. Um, now you have something coming up and, and we spoke quickly about it, working with the McCormick company. Yes, I'm, I am thrilled to death about that opportunity. It's a, it's a group called the McCormick Company Young Professionals. And so I have a, a 90 minute webinar coming up next week. The focus of that is on performance reviews. So, so many instances or many of the topics that I've touched on with you, I'll be sharing with them um, along with, I, they gave me some of their, their products. So I tailored some of my tools based on their products and then uh i've got all sorts of of worksheets like here here are 10 completely hosed up sentences apply my writing methodology and see if you can fix them that um so i've, I've shared that with them also i love doing webinars i prefer workshops but until we can get back to yeah. face to face this will have to this will have to do this this keeps you your feet still in the water you're not totally drenched dry and i love i love helping people yep yeah powerful writing changes lives it truly does it does and it's 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 as like you it's as simple as as like you said in the beginning the first two lines is what grabs your attention and it's important because you want people to pay attention to you whether it's for a job interview whether it you know if you're starting to write a book you need to grab someone's attention somehow some way and it's important words are what what you know aside from a lot of other things but words make this world go round because if you don't know how to talk whether it's in type or actual verbal con communication you're not getting anywhere and you'll still be walking yep. around in circles no not yep uh two other quick thoughts uh, um one you know the so far we've been focusing on the individuals this, this mm -hmm. powerful writing, I have a second battle cry. It's that powerful writing is the lifeblood for successful organizations, all right? Um, so, so 
you, for example, you want to be able to recruit super talented, talented people to your organization. You have to be able to, to put forward a really good argument on why your company is good and why you want to come work for us. Um, if you want to uh, compete your company in, in large scale award programs, again, just like in the 324th with my, my squadron, you have to be able to make a case on why your company deserves the award. Um, uh, if you're trying to, uh, to defend the castle, you know, when I say that, I mean, everyone has resources and in these environments, resources are being cut. So you have to be able to make a case on why you should not cut my budget. Here's all the good things that I've done. Leave my budget alone. The flip side is if you have a new yep. program or a brilliant idea you're trying to launch, make the case for here's why you need to give me more money because this is how I can help you with this great idea. So, so organizations also um, need staffs who can write well. Yeah, that's true. And because... that can be a big calling card. If you can demonstrate, what, going back to the individual, if mm -hmm. you can demonstrate why it is or how it is that you can write a really hard-hitting, cogent paragraph, my golly, people will snap you up. Yeah, that's true. Gina wants to know, does this work as well with inter-office memos? It certainly does. Anytime that you're putting anything, uh, you know, your name is, your reputation is always on the line. So you should take yeah. as much care with an inner office memo as you do with your resume or anything that's going up to the big, the big boss. And it, it, it's, it's your fingerprint. It's, it's your reputation. So, you know, you, it needs to be precise and perfect. Yeah. And, and for me, like I said, I'm not very good. With Gina, the I love word. all these comments. That you said. She's good, isn't she? She's writing, she's going to be writing, she's supposed to be writing a book if she can stop putting it aside. So that's why I said, I, I, I luckily enough, I got a second copy of your book. So guess who's getting it? <laughs> we'll be going back to the States. <laughs> but good, good. But I'm not very good. And I just lost my train of thought. There was that shiny bubble again. Gina, you're my shiny bubble today. Um, I lost it. <laughs> um, yeah, nope, it's gone. <laughs> there you go. Internet didn't go down, my brain did. There we go. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, so well, yeah, interoffice math, and I think God just kind of doubled me up with the there we go. I stink at everything. No, I don't. Um, Inter-office memos. You said it's very important. A lot of times people will write things, and I do this a lot, is I will write something the way it sounds in my head, but when somebody else is reading it, it's like, what? What is? What are you talking about? It, there's, there's a miscommunication in the words because it doesn't, you know. Thank you, Gina. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, two, again, two points. Um, one is read everything out loud. Uh, but, but, you know, before, especially if it's an important document, read it mm. to yourself out loud so you can hear how the words flow so that you can hear if you have accidentally used the same word 
over and over again or the same word twice in in proximity because that's not good so so read stuff aloud and uh, what was the oh um another one of my my huge uh, um prescriptions is don't write as you speak this is a, a big 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 fallacy people make because they don't go back and they don't revise their documents so here's an example uh, i've seen this in 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 formal business communication quote we have to get people up to speed on the new policy okay that's a great example of writing as you speak we don't edit ourselves as we're speaking we, we, and, and we don't have to. But when you put that kind of text in paper, go back and instead of we should get people up to speed on, it's we should inform them about. So yeah. so I, I, I put a little caution sign when you're revising your draft and when you're applying those word sculpting tools, also make sure that you haven't accidentally written as you speak. So if you know to look for that, then you can go and, and purge it and polish it so it's more professional. Yeah, I do, I do that. I have the, the ability on the laptop, I figured it out, where I talk what I wanna say, but then I have to go back and I know sometimes, aside from just the computer not understanding what I say, I have to go back and reread it because like I said, like you said, it sounds good coming out this way, but when it's on paper, it does. It just looks kind of like, uh, what did she say? <laughs> yep. Well, as long as you know to look for it. Yeah. And Gina loves the sculpting, sculpting of the words. <laughs> Yay. Gina, you'll be getting her book in the mail. Figure out how. Your address, I think I have it, but hey, Gina, it'll be yours. Gina, if you receive if you receive the book, please write me an Amazon book review. Yes, and I can't do it in Amazon. Anybody I just figured listening. that out. If you get the yeah. book, oh, I figured out that I well, have. I got a book post from a review. Please do. Yeah, because on on I because I'm in Canada. I purchased from Amazon.ca. And the, the, my guest that I had on, he asked if mm -hmm. I could write it, uh, the review on Amazon.com, but Amazon.com won't let me write a review if I haven't spent $50 on their site. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> so I found it on, I found it on .ca and it's like, yep, there we go. And Gina will be able to write that on .com, not a problem. She says, most certainly she will do it. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Thank you, Gina. <laughs> Hopefully Canada Post doesn't get it lost in the mail, but definitely Gina is getting. And I'll send you the one that I haven't read. It doesn't have my little tags on. <laughs> okay. Well, we are. It's, an hour has flown by. <laughs> so I need to say thank you very much. It has. For coming I thank on. you for the opportunity to see your viewers. And anybody who wants to get her books, go to her website. Get it there. Go on Amazon.com.ca. Uh, probably sure, pretty sure that Barnes and Noble. But on her website, www.write w r i t e two t o influence i n f l u e n c e dot net. She has three free eBooks. Go check them out. And when you do, write a review.
Even if you just tag me in it, I'll make sure Carla gets tagged in it so she gets to see it as well. Thank you very much for this opportunity. You're welcome. It was fun. I will see everybody next week. Y'all be good and y'all behave yourselves somewhat.